The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When peace like a river attendeth my way. Grace and peace, grace and peace minister among us today. We welcome you to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed response, your self-selection of forms of ministry and leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
may we pray. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. My life flows on an endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the clear, though far-off, hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can break my inmost calm when to that rock I'm clinging. If love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can we keep from singing? We begin our worship this Lord's Day bowing before God in silent confession as the choir sings, let us pray. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says... At an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, 
beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children, Open wide your hearts also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
beloved, please join me in reading verses from Psalm 9 with the antiphon responsively. a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you alone have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion, declare his deeds among the peoples. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See what I suffer from those who hate me. You are the one who lifts me up from the gates of death, so that I may recount all your praises, and in the deeps of daughter Zion, rejoice in your deliverance. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid as their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall depart to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. Rise up, O Lord. Do not let mortals prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are only human. Now, beloved, please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, 
chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Glory to you, Lord. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were whisked with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord.
please be seated. Grace opens our hearts, peace stills our hearts. May this summer 2018 for you be a summer of grace and peace. Grace opens our hearts. A friend recalled Marilyn Robinson. Theologians talk about provenient grace that precedes grace itself and allows us to accept it. I think there must also be a prevenient courage that allows us to be brave. That is, to acknowledge that there is more beauty than our eyes can bear, that precious things have been put into our hands, and to do nothing to honor them is to do great harm. And therefore, this courage allows us, as the old men said, to make ourselves useful. It allows us to be generous which is another way of saying exactly the same thing. Let us make ourselves useful to the cause of grace. Christ molds us using our faults even. He molds us in the cruciform of love. We are not perfect, for we are not perfectible. So Shakespeare, they say best men are molded out of faults and for the most become much more the better for being a little bad. In her study of religious congregations, the subject of several of her award-winning books, Boston University professor Nancy Ammerman says she's witnessed two big changes. One is the diversifying of the American religious landscape as the country has received more in the communities of Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Sikhism, and other religions. The second is the growth of the nuns, the religiously unaffiliated. Their mushrooming is a response, she writes, to dismay with both the growing politicization of religion, especially evangelical Christians linking up with the right, she says, and scandals such as the Catholic clergy sex abuse. These developments prompted the rise of self-described spiritual but not religious Americans. But, says Ammerman, the bottom line of my research is that they're probably neither spiritual nor religious. What does it mean? here and now, to be Christian. What is our baptism? To grow in grace and learn the arts, the habits of the spiritual and the religious. In this week, when we have watched as the welfare of 2,300 immigrant children has been hanging in the balance, the question has a direct and sudden personal immediacy, even if in retrospect, The moment has been amply foreshadowed in the last two years. We hear the voice of the apostles warning the force of that voice, an existential warning, not to accept the grace of God in vain. Yes, you have reason and obligation to be concerned about the persons and personalities driving cultural and political formation, concerned about rhetoric, language, and behavior, concerned about voice and what voice and voices do speak for the land you love, the country you cherish. Yes, you have reason and obligation to be concerned about the policies which emanate from those personalities and persons, those forms of rhetoric and language and behavior. Remember Deval Patrick, April 8th, telling us, government is just what we decide to do together. Policies affecting now these 2,300 children and others that cause five-year-old children in Mississippi to lose their teeth due to lack of medical care 
or policies that may ignite and incite the wreckage of warfare or policies that enrich the few and impoverish the many by forging a hierarchy of zip codes or policies that forget the stranger in our midst or policies that diminish some by means of race, gender, nationality, or orientation in particular. About this, you have reason and obligation as Christian people to be concerned. You have no option about the concern, however you finally judge the policies. You are free to run your marathon in personal faith, but just make sure you see the social engagement all along the route from Heartbreak Hill to Kenmore Square that makes your individual run possible. Grace begets a combination of deep personal faith and active social involvement. Yes, you have full reason and obligation to be concerned about public good, about the forms of culture and civil society across our land, painstakingly built up over 250 years, that are neither government nor politics, but are more fundamental and more fragile than both. You have reason and obligation to be concerned about flagrant falsehoods and the celebration of untruth. Contrary to regular assertion, for instance, there are by percentage fewer incidents of crime among immigrants, legal or undocumented, than in the rest of the population. Concerned about the denigration of women by callous treatment, about the mockery of the 100 years of devotion to moral development by the Boy Scouts, about the disdain for courts of justice and the rule of law, about discourtesies and worse to transgender people, about accommodation of white supremacists, about the rejection of diplomacy amid long-standing global partnerships as a matter of course, about verbal and visual insults of Puerto Ricans, about forms of spurious half-baked nationalism, about the hourly shredding of the inherited role and influence of national leadership, about racist disdain in scatological expression for countries of color, about unapologetic, flagrant, unbiblical, and public misuses of human sexuality, about the dismemberment of public discourse centered on objective truth, about the unenforcement of fair housing laws, and so on. In short, about all manner of the lowering of standards and forms of civil society. Beware. Grace, the struggle to live by grace and not in vain, grace is the antidote to what is graceless. Grace opens the heart, as Paul teaches the early Christians in Corinth. Grace for persons, policies, and public good. Beloved, you have not accepted the grace of God in vain, and that is good news. Good for you. You have accepted the grace of God in faith. This very past week in particular, have you accepted grace to lead you on and lead you home? If grace can change the heart of John Newton, a slaver, who gave us our hymn, Amazing Grace, then grace can continue to open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Our radio congregation this week has led the way. A message from Vermont hails the determination of the United Methodist Church to bring charges against a lay member, the current U.S. Attorney General, who may have fallen under the graceless shadows of child abuse and racism, as the charge alleges. 
In 40 years of ministry, this disciplinary paragraph has been used, in my experience, only once prior to this week. Charges are brought against clergy with regularity, but almost never against laity. Rare, but there. A message from Boston calls us to faith, to protest, and to compassion by the grace of God. A message from regular weekly congregant listeners in Georgetown, Texas, calls on the United Methodist Church to remember its own disciplinary teaching. Quote, the official United Methodist policy is stated clearly in the Book of Discipline. We oppose immigration policies that separate family members or that include detention of families with children. A message from New Haven, Connecticut and the campus of Yale University admonishes us us all to civility, recalling Hannah Arendt to meet the graceless with grace, she wrote. After a while, people come to believe everything and nothing, think that everything was possible and nothing was true, she wrote, describing how truth lost its way in her native land. Grace opens the heart Here is what the Holy Scripture helps us see regarding grace. From Vermont to Boston to Texas to New Haven, you are not alone. You see and know the ongoing struggles in grace, for grace, by grace, to undo the graceless, as did St. Paul in his frank accounting of his own struggles in admonishment to the Corinthians. In fact, we too will perhaps develop a catalog of hurts in these years, which then can be used to say, you see, I have been for you into injury. I am for you even to hurt. So now maybe I can speak to you and be heard. You see, two years of past humiliation and probably most of a decade into the future before the shadows fully lift before the tide fully turns. This is our journey. You have endurance, the Greek word hupomone, which may be allowed to stand for all the rest in Paul's catalog of hurt. You have endurance in part because you know that you are not alone. We have still in our mind, our memory, our heart, and our soul as a people in the land of the free and the home of the brave, a capacity for grace. Grace opens the heart to a little worldly wisdom, let us say. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. I was once told the whimsical story that one finds, humorous, of an Ethiopian tribe, Dorse by name, who, knowing that the leopard is a Christian animal, believed that like all good Christians in their region, the leopard fasts on Wednesdays and Fridays. Despite this belief, they are just as anxious to protect their herds and themselves on Wednesdays and Fridays from the leopards marauding on those days as on all others. Be you wise as serpents, innocent as doves. So do one thing. My grandmother had a sign on her kitchen door that read, do one thing. There, you've done one thing. Support one campaign somewhere out across the country where it makes a difference by acquaintance, prayer, encouragement, giving, other.
For example, grace opens our hearts. Peace stills our hearts. You have little trouble to understand why this wonderful passage, Mark 4.35, about the wind and the sea and the boat and fear and the dominical gift of peace, were so loved and cherished and remembered that Mark recalled and recorded the moment fully 30 years after the earthly ministry of Jesus. Peace, be still. And while this narrative is embedded in the career of Jesus' preaching, teaching, and healing, its meaning is a moment of resurrection, of lasting peace, a foretaste of heaven within the vicissitudes of earth. The Gospel of Mark is heard, written, read, and interpreted after resurrection. While the hearer, that is we, knows the story, a passion narrative with a long introduction, as Wilhelm Vreda aptly said, the passion of the story is resurrection, in the light of which, after which, as a consequence of which, chapters 1 to 15, including our passage today, appear. You read Mark 4 in the bright light of Mark 16. You hear the account of the rocking boat in earshot of the account of the risen Lord. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Perfect love cats out fear, does it not? Which, that is, takes you back to April 1st, to Easter. What do you remember and carry from Easter? Do you recall Easter at all? Hug Easter! Life is, not, life is meant to be lived in Easter, not an Advent or Lent or on Good Friday. Life is meant to be lived in Easter. Remember an angel on the right, clothed in white. Remember the crucified going before, continuously before. Remember those great Greek gospel words you can hear their English cousins, traumas and ecstasis, trauma and ecstasy. Remember that they were afraid but that resurrection gave Mary Magdalene the strength to move out of her past and Peter the strength to admit faithful disappointment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the chance for the possibility of the hearing of. Mark is not great literature, but it is holy, holy scripture. It's not Plato, Cicero, or Homer, nor is the Greek of the gospel a finely tuned instrument. It is harsh, coarse, and common. The gospel, though, was formed, formed in the life of the community of St. Mark. Its passages and messages were announced as memories meant to offer hope. Its account of Jesus in healing and preaching and teaching, all the way to the cross and beyond, is offered to a very human group of humans who are trying to make their way along his way. The gospel is a record of the preaching of the gospel. To miss this or to mistake this is to miss the main point of the gospel and to miss the gospel. It is in preaching that the gospel arrives, enters, feasts, embraces, loves, and leaves. It is in preaching that you hear something that makes life meaningful, makes life loving, makes life real. It is in preaching that the Gospel of Mark came to be as a community over time, heard and reheard, remembered and rehearsed, rehearsing the story of Jesus Christ and him crucified and Jesus Christ and him risen, his past 
and his presence. We should not expect narrative linearity, historical accuracy, or recollective precision here, and in fact, we find none. Let me put it another way around. Most of the New Testament documents are, in one way or another, attempts to remember accurately the nature and meaning of baptism. Well, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, fits that description. How are we to live with a measure of peace, one of the fruit of the Spirit? Peace stills the heart. Here is a whimsical story of Barbara Bush of blessed memory. Her pastor recently at her funeral recently remembered Barbara Bush's playful peace. He sat with her on the shore at Kennebunkport as she washed out her shoes in the rocky surf. A family came up, three children, two parents, and the mother said, you know, you look a lot like Barbara Bush. Barbara smiled and replied, I get that a lot. Peace. Peace stills the heart. A consolation note from one woman to another carried this line. I know your grief. Yet once my own grandmother died, in a way she was closer, more present to me than in life, because neither of us was any longer twisted up in all those family conflicts. She became more really herself to me. Peace stills the heart. Years ago here at Boston University in an otherwise somewhat routine luncheon following a service for families of women and men in military service, I somehow think Sister Olga hosted, a guest, the former national head of all Catholic chaplains, was introduced. Unsolicited, he offered a few excellent brief comments. In some, still memorable today, he said his work in Washington had largely been about finding ways to tell people no without hurting them, to tell them no without permanently damaging them. And he gave this example. Twenty-five priests all feel called to be stationed in San Diego, but we only need five priests in San Diego. Found the reflection deeply true of life, ministry, administrative service, and simply put, clearly put, peacefully put, in a human, honest, responsible, mature, and caring way. His little speech carried truth that had been forged in the white heat of life, shaped and molded then by some semblance of reflection and prayer, and stated cleanly and happily, I think everyone there will remember his words when all other 22 speakers are forgotten. He spoke from lived experience, and he spoke in a spirit of peace. In peace, then, in conclusion, here are some humble, practical summer suggestions on the way to peace. To struggle for grace over the long term, you will need the nourishment of an inner peace. Find that peace in attentive embrace of what is beautiful and true and good. Yes, that means regular Sunday worship wherever you can find the true and the good and the beautiful as much as possible in equal measure. For the Christian, worship is not optional any more than is faithfulness in partnership or in disciplined giving. It also means morning prayer. Follow in the morning, if you like, 
Martin Luther and recite each morning the Decalogue, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, or add a psalm or two, or add the Beatitudes, or add the verses of St. Paul, say Romans 12, 9 and following. Or use a book of daily readings. Or take a moment, maybe just one week, to start, to journal, to write down something that strikes your fancy, a quotation, a memory, a conversation, a poem. Share meals whenever possible. Half of all meals now eaten in the United States are eaten alone. Limit your consumption of news and vary your sources for news. The average American spends 170 minutes a day watching television and 170 minutes a day searching the internet. That may be a little too much immediacy in an age hungry to death rather for transcendence, don't you think? That may be a little too much entertainment in an age hungry to death for enchantment, don't you think? Think of Kierkegaard and the divine incognito. Think of Ricoeur and the second naivete. Think of Wesley and the reservoir of human goodness all around. And make your song something like this. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentations. I hear the clear though far off hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can break my inmost calm when to that rock I'm clinging. If love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Grace opens our hearts. Peace stills our hearts. May this summer 2018 for you be a summer of grace and peace. O God, in our deeds, in our words, in our wishes, in our reason, and in the fulfilling of our desires, may the three of love dwell. As we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I invite you to assume an attitude and posture of prayer by remaining seated, kneeling, standing, or coming to the communion rail as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord.
As we pray together, I will conclude each petition, God, in your mercy, please respond, grant us grace and peace. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day we bless you, we praise your name forever. Keep us today, Lord, from all sin. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. We long for your salvation, O Lord. Grant us understanding that we may live. Lord, show us your love and compassion, for we put our trust in you. In you, O God, is our hope. Let us not be confounded at the last. God, in your mercy, grant us grace and peace. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your faithful people sing with joy. Let your ways be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Grant your people the blessing of peace, and may all the earth be filled with your glory. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. God, in your mercy, grant us grace and peace. Teach us, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and lead us in the path of your commandments. Keep our nation under your care and guide us in justice and truth. O Lord, deal graciously with your servants. Teach us discernment and knowledge. Let not the needy be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Guide the meek in judgment and teach your ways to the gentle. Lord, remember your people, whom you have purchased and redeemed of old. God, in your mercy, grant us grace and peace. Lord, open a path for your word to declare the mystery of Christ. Turn now, O God of hosts, behold and tend the vine you have planted. May your people rejoice and sing, and your ministers be clothed with salvation. May they stand and feed your flock in the strength of your name. Keep from trouble all those who trust in you, and forget not the poor forever. Have mercy, O Lord, upon us, as we have put our hope in you. God, in your mercy, grant us grace and peace. Send forth your strength, O God. Establish what you have wrought in us. Uphold all those who fall and raise up those who are bowed down. Open the eyes of the blind and set the prisoners free. Sustain the orphan and widow and give food to those who hunger. Grant them the joy of your help again and sustain them with your spirit. O Lord, judge the peoples and take all nations for your own. God, in your mercy, grant us grace and peace. O Lord, answer us in the day of trouble. Send us help from your holy place. Show us the path of life, for in your presence is joy. Give justice to the orphaned and oppressed, and break the power of wickedness and evil. Look upon the hungry and sorrowful, and grant them the help for which they long. Let the heavens rejoice, and the earth be glad. May your glory endure forever. Your kingship has dominion over all, and with you is our redemption. God, in your mercy. Grant us peace.
Christ be with us, Christ within us, Christ behind us, Christ before us, Christ beside us, Christ to win us, Christ to comfort and restore us, Christ beneath us, Christ above us, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love us, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. We pray together in grace and peace the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing the book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We note that following the service today, you are all invited to coffee hour and vacation Bible school downstairs in the Marsh Room, led by our very own dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill and his wife Jan. Uh, All are welcome regardless of age or station for a moment of biblical reflection and song and fellowship. We hope to see you again here at Marsh next Sunday. I have to confess that our preacher is merely mediocre, namely myself. But uh, we hope that you will stay after the service next week and that you will be drawn to attend by our annual summer barbecue following the service uh, out on the Marsh Chapel lawn. Uh, and encourage you, uh, if you have any questions about that, to be in chapel, touch with the chapel office uh, at, bu.edu, or at bu.edu slash chapel, chapel at bu.edu, uh, or uh, by phone or in person. Alas, today uh, we conclude our morning community life announcements by, with a fond farewell to our very dear friend and colleague, Dr. Bin Song, who has served as our gospeler this morning and our chapel associate for the Confucian Association at 
here at Marsh Chapel. He is uh, leaving Boston and moving down to Maryland, where he will be starting as an assistant professor of philosophy and religion uh, at Washington College uh, on the eastern shore of Maryland. So we offer him a hearty thank you and a fond farewell as he departs us this morning. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to set a, uh, meditate on Hubert Perry's setting, My Soul, There is a Country. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
watchful parent, loving divine, accept these tithes and gifts for your work in this place and grant us the grace to live lives of service. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.